Hi, I'm Rob, and this is another episode of Rewind and Review. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, who is a fan of scary movies. It's Jason. Ah! <laughs> Welcome to Rewind and Review, the retrospective, uh, retrospective podcast where we have a look at an existing property from the past, delve into its legacy, discuss how it's held up over time, and even give our own personal experiences. Did we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? This episode of Rewind and Review will look at a slasher film that not only celebrates turning 16 years old this year, um, but also has the honour of having its fifth instalment release mm-hmm. this year in 2021. 22. Oh, man. 22. That was mm. a goof, wasn't it? All right. To make uh-huh. things all the more confusing, because I clearly already am, um, this film, <laughs> this fifth film, shares the same name as the original Wes Craven would be rolling in his grave. It would be indeed. <laughs> now, this film satirizes the cliches of the horror and slasher genre while still delivering a true whodunit mystery, uh, complete with violence, black comedy, and a new iconic horror movie killer. So put on your popcorn, lock all your doors, uh, let the phone ring, and don't forget to follow the rules as we rewind to the year 1996. <laughs> Swinging 60s, here I come, baby, yeah! Go back to then. When? Now. 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 Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. There's definitely a very slim chance we'll survive. Here we are in 1996. The 90s gave us a number of horror movies, a decade that found itself trying to reinvent itself following the wacky slasher craze of the 70s and the 80s. we got movies like I Know What You Did Last Summer, Urban Legend, Cube, It, Candyman, The Blair Witch Project, The Frighteners, just to name a few. But the movie that dared to look back and have fun with what had come before while also becoming its own genuinely entertaining and original film in its own right was, of course... Scream. Ah! I'm going to stop doing that. Um, directed by Please Wes Craven and written by Kevin Williamson, Scream is the slasher film starring Neve Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, uh, Skeet Ulrich, and Drew Barrymore. Be warned that yep. if you haven't been delighted by Scream yet, but you want to, go watch it first before <laughs> listening to this episode. We will be talking spoilers. Yes, indeed. And I do know somebody who hasn't seen it, and we'll, I'll talk about that later. Is it you? Um, <laughs> no, I have, I have now seen it. Um, well, by the way, before we progress even further, Jason, I believe it's actually Nev Campbell, not Neve. You know, as I've no. read it, that's what I was thinking. But I committed to it and thought no one would notice. So thank you. What? You son of a bitch. <laughs> well, I, so I had the argument with wife of the podcast, Laura, who said it's definitely Neve. And I was like, I have to get on the Wikipedia page. And phonetically, it's Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell. So there you go. There you go. All right. So back to uh, the movie. Okay. So the sleepy little town of Woodsboro just woke up screening. There's a killer in their midst who's seen a few too many uh, scary movies. Suddenly no one's safe as a psychopath. He stalks victims, taunts them with trivia questions and rips them to bloody shreds. It could be anybody. Who is it? 
So a year after the murder of her mother, high school student Sydney Prescott, played by Nev Campbell, yeah. and her friends become the target of the mysterious killer in a Halloween costume known as Ghostface. I know a uh, I know a DJ named Host Hostface Killer, and I also know uh, there's another one that doesn't spring to mind right now. But if I can remember during the episode, I'll tell you about it. Is it Hostface? Host Hostface. Right, Host Host Race. Host like that, Race. But, it's, but it but it was inspired by the name. But then oh, and there's another one, a DJ, but he's also a musician named um. Gooseface. Goose <laughs> Gooseface killer, because his, his nickname is Goose. <laughs> anyway, there you go. That's another you know, story. I clearly let's, you, let's you talk know, about this movie. You know, one <laughs> at least one too many DJs. I feel like you only need to know one. I think that's the limit. My previous life, Jason. My Your previous, previous life. life. So let's talk about our personal experiences. Jason, it's yeah. my pleasure to let you go first. It's an interesting one because again, we're mm. doing the math. We're going back a little bit. 1996. Five yeah. going on six. Um, I don't know. I legit don't know when I first actually watched this movie. Mm-hmm. But look, I'll be honest. It would have been sometime in my teens. I even right. want to say like late-ish teens. I'm talking like 16, 17. I'm guessing. I don't know. I just remember it wasn't too early. And I'll tell you why. A little part mm. of me put was put off watching these films um Mm. because i had one traumatic experience (laughs) i think it was around the time screen two which came out the following year 97 so yeah i would have been like six going on seven um but it was was around the time it was available to rent vhs or or whatnot would have been at the time uh my sister had 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 rented it um and then she was watching it and i was like i don't Mm. want to watch it i'm staying away from that and then she showed me snippets of it. I don't know why. Oh my God. Um, but I think that traumatized me a little bit. Um, so just putting that out there. Wow. That uh, that happened to me as a as a young lad. So I think I, I was just like, I'm yeah, I'm st-. you know, as you grow up, you've seen mm. something horrid as a child, um, mm. and you just want to stay the hell away from it until one day I grew the balls to check it out. And I was like, oh. yeah. But look, Scream is. I'm going to say now, like, it is a fantastic film. Look, very mm. fun franchise. It has its ups and downs. I'm a, you know, big, big horror buff, not like a crazy nut. Um, the right. wife is probably right. more of a, a horror fan than me, but I'm very much oh, along right. for the ride every time a horror movie comes out. I probably watch too many of mm. them because of that. Um, but Scream mm-hmm. is always a good one to go back to. And it's a good celebration of, you know, those older, those older slasher films, you know, the yeah. Nightmares, the, the yeah. Friday the 13th, Halloween, you know, the classics, yeah. even like the Chuckies the, and the, bits like the supernatural things. ones almost. Pretty much all of those are a supernatural kind of theme around it, you know? Yeah. Well, you yeah. Know? Yeah. As in, you're a murderer, but for some reason, he just can't die. You can't, can't kill him, you know. Yeah, well, at least this one, interesting, like kind of grounded in a way, in a meta way, but yeah, I'm, still kind of grounded. I'm, like it's always, I'll a definitely talk killer. about it. Yeah, I'll definitely talk about it a little bit later around that. Um, just, uh, but it's, it's definitely, uh, it's more of like a a grounded realistic kind of take on it and you know with that meta view it's definitely taking the mickey out of things um you know in that light as well um so i yeah okay i didn't know that you yourself and and the wife were horror buffs that's interesting 
That's cool. Well, I know it's interesting because, you know, we're friends, me and you, you and I, you know, but yes, it's not, it's, it's, not it's contractually taken... obligated friendship or anything at all. No, nothing. I mean, no, I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, there's nothing written down anyway. Um, it's taken me a while, mm. a few years to get you on board to do a horror movie. And when the notion yeah. of potentially doing this film in celebration mm. of, you know, this fifth Scream film coming out, I was like, yep. no chance. Rob's not going to yeah. watch it. Because every time I've mentioned potentially doing a horror film, you've always been like, not into horror. Don't want to do yeah. it. Just, yeah. I'm a little pussy bitch. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I don't mean that sincerely. But you, you don't. <laughs> You're not a big horror fan. I know this. Um, yeah. so I guess we never talk horror films. Um, I never do. thought you know, Scream was not one you would have checked out. Mm. But, um, you know, well, surprise I'll, I'll me. Tell you, surprise I'll me. Tell you all about that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you, you are right. So I I despise horror. I hate horror. Despise. I really, really do not like <laughs> horror movies. I cannot, I, I don't mind monster movies. Monster movies are fine. Horror, it just, it's, I mean, one, it's not appealing to me, but it just freaks me as did Heck one of yeah, your did one of your it. sisters traumatize you as well when you were a child? In some way? <laughs> well, I feel like that helped you grow. Maybe they should have. Maybe <laughs> well, they should have done it. Would have would have given me more hair on my chest or something. Who knows? I'm still but, waiting um, for one to come through. Anyway, yep. <laughs> but um, so, but I will say that I have seen a couple of the old slashes. Anyway, I've seen them. So I don't like them, but I have seen them because I'm a nice friend sometimes to people. Um, with this one. Scream, actually, I, I've only seen it once. I saw it when I was a teenager. I was about probably 12 or 13, maybe, thereabouts. So it, I didn't see it when it came out. I saw it afterwards because I saw I saw a marathon because I saw it and I saw um, number two pretty much like in the same that same night, that same evening over at a mate's place. So um, both on VHS. And, uh, yeah, so I have to admit, a lot of the meta commentary around, um, you know, like horror and all the tropes and stuff that they take the shit out, they take the mickey out of throughout the whole um, yeah, movie went way over my head. I had no idea what the hell they were talking about. Watching it again. So I watched it uh, at 4 a.m. yesterday morning. Um, I just have got this new appreciation to this movie. I had no idea how clever it was when I watched it that first time back in back 20 years ago or whatever it was. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about it. And interestingly, wife of the show, Laura, has not seen it at all. And I gushed and gushed and gushed, and so we're going to watch it together um, again probably maybe next week if we can. Well, so you're going to watch all four? Do you, from... to, do you want me to you need the DVDs or you're good on the streamers? No, no, no but, um, <laughs> streamers and and all find hard copies of it somewhere, but um, not going to watch all four. But we definitely watch the first one as a start because and just see how you go. <laughs> yeah, because this movie, I truly have an appreciation for it. Watching it now, and I'm really really happy to talk about it. But horror that can go screw itself. I don't need to watch anything else. <laughs> I'm not going to go watch bloody Paranormal Activity or all of those Conjuring bullshit and all that. Screw that. No one who wants to watch that crap. I already have enough time, like trouble sleeping, Jason. I don't need that kind of crap on my mind. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. So what Get were you saying about our friendship? There was no obligation to 
is it like do we need to continue <laughs> can i tap out can i tap out you can you can you can tap out if you like it's okay fine. we'll, we'll right. discuss it still, <laughs> still, we'll, we'll still get this episode done we'll see if we want to continue yeah no, no worries i'm sure you can find a more horror horror um enthusiastic host co-host uh, we'll just next. go back to we'll just go back to the simpsons treehouse of horror <laughs> that was enough for you no, that, that that was i mean they were barely enough but yeah i got through it that's fine all right let's talk let's talk about the movie itself um so it's legacy you're aware that it's not just one movie there's multiple but when we're just talking about how successful this movie was its budget was about 14 or 15 million dollars and its box office was 173 million taking. It became the highest grossing slasher film pretty much until the release of that new Halloween in 2018. But if you adjust it all um, for today's dollars, it still remains the highest grossing slasher. So, you know, it was successful. Um, now, this one, this little factoid here really amused me. I, I found this out when I was researching as well, but when it was, re- it was released five days before Christmas. So that, because the studio wanted their horror movie to stand out during the family friendly holiday season, which I think is just so brilliant. That is perfect wonderful. marketing move. It's amazing, but marketing move. So, so good. The thing um, is like it, 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 the studio then started to freak out when they obviously did release it because it wasn't really mm doing good business but good word of mouth it all come good and it started to pick up momentum and the rest is uh history i guess Mm. okay so speaking critically um it did generally Mm. receive positive reviews as one would expect i'm guessing Mm -hmm. on the back rotten tomatoes has it at 79 percent average of 7.2 out of 10 that's over 82 Mm -hmm. reviews metacritic 65 out of 100 um from 25 critic reviews um, it means generally favorable. Um, now, Roger Ebert, we always like to call back to him. Um, he only gave it three out of four stars. Um, he says he, he appreciated the in-jokes and the self-aware characters, but I think he had a bit of an issue with sort of like, I guess, like the hypocrisy of, I guess, maybe the commentary that the movie was trying to say versus the actual violence they were putting on screen. So I think he was dissecting it a little bit mm. too much where I think really... You just need to sit back and have a good time with this flick and just enjoy what it is. <laughs> that is exactly right. That's some good advice for Roger Ebert. Um, although Roger Ebert, he could have sort been... yourself out. <laughs> R.I.P., sir. Um, yes. But, um, <laughs> I mean, he could very well have the same perspective as me of just the genre itself, which is, meh, don't want to know about it. But I'll give, you know what, I'll give this movie three out of four. So, no, but... um. Yeah, I mean, the in-jokes and the self-aware, like, characters and stuff, I mean, that's it's actually the key it's present throughout the entire movie, but that to me, that's actually one of the most appealing things about it. So he's identified, you know, I guess one of the strongest things because the rest of it is just, you know, we'll talk about it, but generic, you know, people dying, people getting cut up, lots of like really terrifying moments, but it's that character like underneath it all, whereas, you know, you're that meta view of, of horror and the commentary around um, the different tropes and things while the characters themselves are experiencing them. Oh, it's brilliant. Just so, so well crafted, I think. Um, now let's talk awards. So it received several awards and nominations um, following the release, which included a Saturn Award um, for Best Actress for Nev Campbell, Best Writing for Kevin Williamson, and Best Horror Film, which is not a surprise at all. Um, it was awarded the 1997 Best Movie by the MTV Movie Awards, and director Wes Craven was awarded the Grand Prize at the. Hmm, Pronounce that for me, Jason. How do you say I be- that? I believe it's Gradmer. 
Gerardmere Film Festival. That's literally so, the phonetic spelling. I don't actually know if that's how you pronounce it. Probably completely wrong. But yes, the Gerardmere Film Festival. Yeah, just like Nev Campbell. <laughs> See, <laughs> Nev Campbell. Gerardmere. <laughs> <laughs> the franchise. Now, we'll start with the film series because, yes, there is a mm-hmm. TV series as well. So obviously you've got this film, 1996, um, now, I'm just going to say one through four, just to make things easy, all directed by Wes Craven. So yes. strap in, even though ups and downs, just like his other, you know, maybe big horror <laughs> franchise, ups and downs, a lot more downs yeah, and ups, yep. but that's okay. Um, <laughs> but of course, this first movie, 1996, we've already mentioned, you know, a lot of that, that meta humor, dissecting the horror movie genre, more so <laughs> the slasher films. But that's what this movie is all about. It's all about sort of poking fun at, at all of that, you know, like what's it like to yeah. be in a horror movie? Scream 2 comes along the following year, 1997, and mm-hmm. it's about, you know, the tropes of a horror Sequels. movie sequel. So it's all about yeah. fun with sequels. Scream 3 um, came out in 2000. It's all about the trilogy, the idea of, being in you know uh, the trilogy of things that's the joke how you how you how you wind up a trilogy you know how you yeah where the where the main character can die because of the things like that yeah um and then it took a few years um bit of a bit of a delay much like things happen in um you know the real world because the franchise really was i think it was written as like a three-parter they just wanted the trilogy it was done but you know what money talks um and they got a story they want to have fun with it scream 4 2011 we've got this Mm -hmm. movie that starts to poke fun at itself once again in the way of movie reboot reboots so right and it was sort of around that time, you know, like the the late 2000s and the early 2010s where it was like, yeah. you know, everything was coming back, resurgence, reboots here, mm. left, right, centre, which makes me think when we get to this year, 2022, the, yeah. the Scream movie directed by Matt Bettinelli, Open and Tyler Gillett to join us at this one. Yeah. Simply titled Scream, what is... What's the joke? Like, what's the what's the idea? Sort of like, is it like the, is this like a remake still in continuity kind of thing? But then are we getting I, too I deep in movies, or have they abandoned that altogether? We will have to see. We will have, have to you, see. Have you have you already seen it at the time of recording uh, this? I have not. I have not. Hmm. So I believe. Um, I believe. Um, co-host of, of your of the other podcast luke has seen it already and he he seemed to put a facebook post saying it was positive so that's yeah. a good so, sign yeah we obviously have not discussed it yet because i haven't seen it mm-hmm. we will be doing a review on that film Stu, once i do watch that's it and it'll be out in a you know like a week or so but, yeah we'll see how we go we're on a bit of a on a bit of a break you know it was christmas it's a new year January is our rest time. Um, it's been so a busy time of year. We'll get to it. So, yeah, we haven't discussed but he did say he liked it, I guess, like positive review. Yeah. But mm-hmm. what level, what degree, and what's it all about? But, look, um, a couple of years back, they we did get a TV series. Now, yes. just speaking of just the first two seasons, which ran from 2015 to 2016, Scream, mm-hmm. simply called Scream, um, it was about it's a new town. There's a different masked killer still with the hood, white face, mm-hmm. but not ghost face. Something a little bit different. Then yeah. a couple of years after that, 2019, came back for a third season, but they kind of 
I guess kind of rebooted this show as well. Scream Resurrection. Right. Um, again, new a new town again, new set of casts. So yeah. they yeah, they really just started fresh. Ghostface does yeah. make an appearance, but I don't believe I haven't actually watched it. Um, but I don't believe Ghostface is the the main antagonist. I should say. Oh, right. So okay. again, I could be wrong. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. I don't know. But I know he appears. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I know. But have you seen any of the TV? screams well if i'm talking i haven't seen any tv and movie wise i've actually only seen the first three so i haven't seen number four um, when it came out i intended on watching it but um i didn't so um so i'm gonna probably now that i've watched this as an adult i'm gonna really <laughs> probably have a look at them i think to see if i can get through them and i'll just you know Watch it with the lights there on and during daylight, and it'll be fine. Well, it's it's good. Good. I'm gonna, we're gonna do a read. TV, I hadn't even heard of them, so I think they're on. I think they're on Netflix. I don't know. We're gonna do a rewatch of just the movies because to hell with the shows. Uh, the 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 Scream right. like season one and two, I, I did like the first season and then started season two and was like, no, I'm out. <laughs> so yeah, maybe the yeah. reboot was a little bit better, but eh, maybe, maybe one day. We're going we're gonna to do a rewatch of all four movies. Obviously, we've done this first one um, before we watch, yeah. I mean, the wife go and watch the, the new film, the fifth. Mm-hmm. I hate that it's called Scream. Just call it Scream 5. God damn it. Um, yeah. What's interesting, I only remember, I think it's the third one who I remember who the killers are. Or maybe it's the second one. I can't remember. It's. I remember the killers in when I watched the movie. I'll be. Like, oh, I remember. But I. Yeah. There's. I don't. If it's number two, I'm thinking. I don't remember who the killers are. So I'm gonna watch that and be like okay. pleasantly surprised. Number four, same deal. It's good. It's good mm. to have a really bad memory. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway, that's I'm fair. done. That's, that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Um, I have to admit, when I watched this, uh, this movie, for, you know, just re- revisited for this episode. I did know who was coming, but I was really, really looking forward to it because the reveal is just something to be, you know, in awe of, you know. They just do such a good job. Anyway, let's talk about the legacy and the cultural impact of this particular movie because I think we all know, you know, and have heard about it in some way, um, and it really has put a bit of a stamp on the world. Now, it's considered unique. It was considered unique at the time of its release, um, featuring characters that are aware of real-world horror films and openly discussing the cliches of the film that that the film attempted to subvert. And I have to admit, one of my favourite scenes in this movie is um, when you've got Jamie on the couch saying, look behind you, look behind you, to to Jamie Lee Curtis on the screen while Ghostface is walking up behind him. It's just pure, it's brilliant, such brilliant filmmaking. The soundtrack by Marco um, Beltrami um, was also acclaimed and was cited as one of the most intriguing horror scored composed scores composed in the year in years uh, the score has since earned cult status so that's what did great. you think of of the score but we can we could just talk I, about it now. i really i really liked it it's got that kind of i mean you know i was reading into it a little bit he purposely chose to have like a really really weird like western kind of tone to it all um but it really really I, there's something about it i wrote down in my notes when i was watching it going i kind of feel like we're watching like ace ventura in a way like Ace Ventura, if you remember, that, that it has elements of like when they when he's figuring out who Dan Finkel is and stuff, it kind of gives you a little bit of like intrigue and stuff, but ultimately it's a bit of a fun vibe. Yeah, what listening to this, I was like, he really builds a suspense, you know, in those in some moments, but it's fun and quirky, is is kind of a weird, that's the way I'd look at it. It's fun and quirky. So 
yeah, I really liked it. What do you think? Uh, I pretty much agree. Like, I think okay. you, you summed it up. Yeah, those Western sort of um, elements, there is sort of like uh, not too much because the comedy speaks for itself, but there's a few little elements of just like a goofiness to the to the music, but also still sort of chilling at the same time, which is mm. good. Yeah. Yeah, just like, yeah, some un- an undertone of um, just creep, you know, that... Yeah, or it's yeah, it's it's weird, and that's probably what's so beautiful about the score is that it's weird. It is weird. It sometimes doesn't fit, but in a good way. I mean, that's what this bloody movie is. It's a horror movie about horror movies, <laughs> and it's fantastic. So, so, in the years following the release of Scream, um, the film's actually been accused of inspiring um, copycat crimes and inducing violent acts. You've written here, Google it, and we don't want to talk about that right now. But I was just to just to comment quickly. I was not aware of that. Um, yeah, yeah and- it's it's it's. Um, I, I see Google it because uh, you know, I, yeah, it's not something I want to get into on this podcast. It's not what we're about. We're about the movies. Um, it's mm. just, I guess, it sets there and a, a dark side of, I guess, what things can yeah. things can sort of come about from horror movies like mm. this. Um, and the sad, the sad part is, again, without going into too much detail, like it, this does involve like the crimes, the these acts. Um, like teenagers and a lot of like quite young ones as well like I'm talking 13 14 year olds there were some older ones but you know they're all they're all sort of teenagers and a lot of them even saying and referring to Ghostface from Scream you know I wanted to be like Ghostface um, you know when obviously questioned about you know why they did what they did and and things like that so interesting thing to look into um, just want to voice it here because it is part of the the legacy as infamous as it is um Mm. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is kind of a proven thing. Young people do sometimes immortalize what they see on screen, um, and and really like men- it's a mentoring relationship sometimes, or a, or a martyring one sometimes. Mm. So very that's, sad. that's sad. sad that, that that's um, a stamp on time about that. Um, so on a good note, on a positive note, it's credited with uh, revitalizing the slasher genre in the nineties, um, which was considered to be almost dead following an influx of direct video titles and numerous sequels um, to those established horror franchise from the 70s and the 80s. Um, and I, I would have to say, like, thinking back on it, watching it again like, uh, recently for this episode, I, no- I noticed that it was it, it definitely did, did bring something different to the table, that whole meta concept. Um, and where, But not only that, this was the first time really I'd seen a horror or slasher where the victims were fighting back legitimately you know, to, to Ghostface, and, you know, you hear him get hit, you know, he gets hit with a beer bottle and he grunts and he groans and he falls <laughs> over and all that stuff, whereas previously, up until this point, I feel, like, I just feel like no matter how far someone would run, Mike Myers would be walking, but he will still catch up with him and you couldn't kill him and all this stuff, whereas this field, we, we touched on it a little bit at the start about it being grounded. This... I feel like revitalize the genre by making it more grounded and realistic and that, you know, the people behind the masks are human. You can hurt them, but they're so still so stowed, so driven to get you that that's the scary part is there's, you can hurt them and they're not going to run away. They're going to well, keep coming at you. That's um, like you, you make a good point. And, and I think a lot of those, you know, like your Michael Myers, your Freddy Krueger, your, you know, your, well, eventually Jason Avohi, mm. you know, talking part two mm. um, of Friday the 13th, um, yeah. where I think the idea was like they were meant to just be humans, you know, pretty strong, pretty opposing, mm. but 
you know, if you punched them, they bleed, you know, like you could hurt yeah. them. And eventually, like you just mentioned, you know, like sequels were being churned out, um, copycat mm. films, just sort of yeah. just, oh, just quickly, where it was like the, the killer was basically a plot device. It was, it was very much just like, you can't kill yeah. this thing. No matter how far you ran, you'd get caught, you'd get stabbed, you'd get cut in half, whatever, yep. you'd die. Mm-hmm. You throw something yeah. at him, he gets hit by a car, doesn't matter. They'd get up yep. and they'd still be coming after you, you know, Terminator yeah. style. It was all mm-hmm. happening. And I think, mm. yeah, yeah, like there was a, it's like you could tell the person, or as we found out, the persons mm-hmm. under yeah. the ghost face was, was just a person like it was a human just, just being. people just people yeah just people who could be hurt you whack him they're like he's like ow <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> very, a little less comical Absolutely. than that but you know still like yeah they felt the no no but i mean i mean some some of it is funny because you know you get that that trope of um you know, is it? I think is it Sydney who says, um, "I, you know, running upstairs is the wrong stupid thing to do," or it could be, could be um, Drew Barrymore. I can't remember. But then the very next thing they do is run upstairs. <laughs> but then you know, they they're throwing things at them and dropping shit in their way. And when they get attacked, like they're kicking them in the nuts and kicking them off them. And they literally the ghost face gets thrown off and thrown into a wall, and he lays there for a second and gets, struggles up, and away he goes. Like it's a. He's not this superhero, uh, superhero, superhuman force. He's just, you know, e- evil and unstoppable in the sense that he's relentless, even despite how much punishment he gets. But it doesn't make him impervious to it. He still gets affected. And I think that that's one of the, the key qualities of this movie that it, it just did something com- different to what its predecessors did. Um, it's brilliant. I love it. It's awesome. Now. Um, post-screen, there was an era of horror films um, by many studios, including uh, Dimension Films, which was Scream's um, studio. They rushed to capitalise on its unexpected success with films like, this is the only one from this list that I've seen, I Know What You Did Last Summer, mm-hmm. which is 1997. And you got Urban Legend in 98, Cherry Falls in 2000, Halloween H20, 20 years later, um, 1998, um, and Bride of Chucky. I lie, I've seen that too. That's 1998 as well. But yeah, there was you know an inf- a massive rush of them because all of a sudden people were interested again and paying for it. Mm. Um, and I know I you think- did last summer. They had a, they had a sequel. I still know, and I, I saw both of those. But out of the rest, yeah, yeah, it's sort of created like this '90s, like the '90s horror, like '90s horror yeah. genre was almost its own thing. You know, like there was still there, there was almost like a new vibe of teenagers in the 90s and mm. something like a little, little bit grungy a little bit more attitude <laughs> like they weren't yeah, just yeah. they weren't just camp counselors like doing the dirty <laughs> it was you know, it yeah. was, I don't know these goth kids and punk kids and skaters and just all these yeah sassy yeah. bitches and like all sorts <laughs> um oh. jocks that didn't look like jocks anymore like it was it was good. It was good times. It was good times. And we had Freddie Prince Jr. Really? and Sarah Michelle Gellar and, you know, the 90s, man. Good times. Oh, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive, a young person. Very good. Now, um, much of the humour of Scary Movie uh, in 2000 relies upon specific references um, to and utilises the general narrative arcs of both Scream and I know what you did last summer. Um, so you've seen Scary Movie, haven't you, I'm assuming? Um, oh yeah, everyone's seen scary movie. Yeah, all five um, of them. So, 
Now, interestingly, I've actually only saw the the, uh, the first couple, but anyway, Scary Movie itself, that was the original working title for Scream, um, which is it's so interesting. I'm so glad they didn't do that because Scary Movie, although that would have been very in line with the meta element that they were trying to push, I just feel like, uh, I don't know, maybe it's like, Scream, it's like I just feel... Scary Movie yeah. works for the movie that that name, that the movie that has that name, which is a satire yeah. film, a parody movie, a movie that literally is satirical on yeah. the genre. Whereas yeah. Scream, although, you know, it involves itself with satire, mm. it is not a comedy. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not a parody. There's homages yeah. and there's callbacks and there's meta humor, but it is its well, own original real film that does stand on its own as a legitimate film with a legitimate story violence threat yeah. and all of that kind of stuff where scary movie is mm-hmm. like take it or leave it's it is it's a parody film like whether you find it funny or not like it is a parody film that takes on many different horror movies and implements plot and narrative and set pieces and mm. characters and moments and dialogue into ones into an original thing that is its thing it pretty much is the those two movies that you mentioned mesh together primarily but you know yeah. it throws in other stuff as well parody <laughs> and i don't know the scary movie is not the topic of today but i mean scary movie itself spawned its own bloody um you know its own long line of uh you know ripoffs and, and you know and sequels and all this so stuff could we well. say the legacy of scream is all oh, no, Scream gave us scary movies. You have to blame you have to blame Which Gave us epic movie and superhero movie and yeah. all sorts. We can't blame this I only movie saw the first. I only saw the first. No, you cannot. I only saw the first two, I think it was actually. But um, yeah. So in 2016, Empire ranked the film number three on their list of greatest horror films of all time. That's pretty high. There were a few other like lists and numbers, but there was like, oh, Scream was ranked like 243 or something. I was like, I'm not mentioning that. Number three, I think, pretty all right. Pretty, <laughs> pretty good. So I thought pretty- I'd mention that. And this yeah, one, what, this last one is a pretty good um just to just to cap off our, our trivia, our, no, our trivia, our legacy here. I don't know how accurate this is, but you know what? I read it. I wrote it down. It was on the internet. Must be true. Apparently, the use of caller ID <laughs> increased more than uh, threefold after the release of this film. Sure, yeah. sure, why not? Sure. <laughs> That's great. It's fantastic. Um, could have been people legacy. more people adopting. <laughs> if people got more paranoid, it's done its job. Well done, Wes. You've done a very good job. Um, now let's. I guess let's just start talking about bits and pieces um, about the movie. Um, the opening sequence, I guess. Like, good, good place to start. That's, <laughs> that's a, I mean, it's a good place to start, but that in itself is like it's, it stands, a lot of movies do this, obviously, but uh, that sets the tone. Um, it also, that's where you're introduced to Ghostface, obviously, with, with Drew Barrymore, but the questioning over the phone and, and the, you know, the quizzing about scary movies that's where you start to realize immediately that this is a meta movie. That they, yeah, that they, they're really, really poking fun at these tropes and the cliche elements. But the the scene itself is still very gripping. It's 
there's there's not there's no comedy with it. It's more it's, it's more like ironic horror, if anything, you know. But um, Drew Barrymore as as Casey Becker, you know, that when I, I remember, I don't think I knew it then, but I kind of reflected on it, you know, later in years, and I was like, I I feel like Drew Barrymore was a was famous at this point, and so to kill her off. That must have been a bit of a jarring moment for people, I reckon. You know, to watch, you know, to open a movie with an actress in the '90s who was kind of popular or, or, or known. I feel like she was. Um, that would have been like a jarring experience. I feel because you would have been expecting her to be, you know, to be pushing through a little bit further. But, I mean, um, that is that is the the point. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but on the on the original poster where there's only one. Uh, mm. One face, which is a, a face of a like a, a girl, but you can't really see who it is. You just see the eyes, sort of the top of her lips, and sort of her hand, sort of covering her mouth. That's actually Drew Barrymore, yeah. um, and that's something I recently just found mm. out. And I was looking yeah. at the post, and I'm like, "Holy shit, it is!" Um, wow. Furthermore, though, yeah. like when you get sort of like the cast, the cast sort of like you know, like the the classic you know, sort of floating heads on a poster, mm. you know, just just the cast lined yeah. up. Drew Barrymore's there. She's on the poster. Her name's on the poster. She's very much yeah. um, I- included in the marketing uh, and the, mm-hmm. the, the, the selling of this movie to be like, Drew Barrymore's in yeah. this movie. She is someone to watch. And you get this opening scene and they kill her off. It pretty much sets the stage of like, holy shit, anything could happen. Yeah. We got no idea. We, yeah. And I feel like at this time, at this point in time, you know, in, in horror films, like that kind of wasn't done yet it was like you sort of Mm. had a you had an idea of okay who's your who's your final girl gonna be yeah um and like i guess to have her in the opening sequence yeah a bit of a giveaway but you think oh wow we're getting really getting into Mm. it but i gotta say you know after this recent rewatch just got to the end of this whole whole opening sequence i just sat back and i Mm. said to myself holy shit this is a good movie like wow like what a way to get into it like, what an yeah. energetic um an energetic um rush like just to be introduced mm. to this this character and just watching drew barrymore just be a delight as this casey becker character you know yeah. she's on the phone the popcorn's mm. like cooking it's gonna explode yeah parents are coming home the boyfriend's tied up outside his guts are spilling all mm. over the place where is this guy you know like yep. he's at the front door at the back door the door comes through the window holy not the door the chair comes through the window um yeah she's running upstairs like they're they're really clever they're talking about oh, friday the 13th it's incredible like, oh my god like there's just so much and then she's running yeah. she's running and i guess classic slasher yeah. thing she gets caught stabbed mm. dead and then she's hung but did you know do you know hung from the tree know, no no but but before that do you know do you know what it really got me with, with this feeling it was so she gets stabbed but she gets stabbed in the throat but she's still alive oh the phone and her parent her, oh, her phone sh- and her parents are right there and if she wasn't stabbed in the throat she'd be able to call out for help and they're just there they're right there and then they're not and you're like Oh, what a hopeless, terrible situation. And they walk outside. They walk outside and it's like... And there she is. Hanging from that tree. Her intestines are hanging out, which I've never noticed before. I was like, have I been watching a censored version of this Mm. movie? I was like, holy crap, this is violent. (laughs) I just did not recall 
yeah the, like the long large maybe it's a short intestine i don't know one of the intestines is just hanging out of her guts yeah. like just shocking yeah. but fun fact just to lighten the mood because well damn um mm. casey's father tells her the mother to to go to the mckenzie's is what he says which is the the same right. thing laurie who's played by jamie lee curtis in halloween told the two kids to do in that mm. movie back in 78 so right you know the the the, the meta oh. stuff the, the you know the callbacks it's beginning so <laughs> it, it begins right there in that moment of terror and just just insane violence um and you know it's so it's so amazing that scene because Drew Barrymore is she's just adorable she's just cute 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 you know just teen just you know she's a little bit flirty on the phone to the guy like oh what's your horror favorite horror and all that and then you just watch her like her performance is brilliant because it goes from that just just generic teenage kind of girl kind of you know innocent thing and then it just evolves to a little bit of concern a little bit of anger and then it just turns to true fear. And it's really, it all just, and to, and to film it, like you've said here in the notes that it was filmed across the first five days of production. Um, that was, that was Drew Barrymore's involvement in the production was just five days and she, she pumped it out there and it was just, it's a truly amazing opening to a movie um, and, and, and really subverts expectations um, away from what they, you know, people may have expected or, or may have, may have thought that it, it, you know, Drew might have been in there a little bit longer and she was going to see this through and she might be a bit of a lead and it just gets more and more extreme and the stakes just gets higher and higher and higher. Oh, it's brilliant. So brilliant. Love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Very good. You mentioned that Ghostface, you know, we obviously meet him in, well, yeah, we meet the Ghostface, let's we... just call him that, um, in this opening scene. Um, and, you know, we get the first interactions with him over the phone and none of the, none of the actors met the um well the voice the voice of ghostface mm. roger l jackson none of them met yeah. him before any of the shooting commence and that includes drew barrymore there so whenever you oh. see them interacting with him over the phone um they're actually talking onto the phone like on the phone with him wow and they don't actually know who they're talking to like they they know obviously it's an actor and he's playing the killer yeah. but they don't know they don't know who this person uh. is and i guess that was to create some sort of I guess real reaction to the kind of creepy mm. robotic type voice. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty brilliant. Um, so I, I can't. I can't remember if you said this earlier or not. But um, Ghostface himself was actually designed to be white. Um, uh, but they <laughs> there was a bit of concern around production about being compared to the Ku Klux Klan, which is pretty. Yeah, that's pretty fair. I can see that. Do you reckon his face would have been black though? Would that have been? Would they have to invert the colors? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but there's one one thing. One thing about that costume though. So you notice that every time they, um, every time he uses that knife and he's stabs someone or he's cut someone or whatever, he uses his sleeve to clean clean the knife before he goes in again. Oh yes, Um, he, he uses it every single time. Just wipes it clean. Even if it's he hasn't killed somebody, if he's still attacking the same person, he cleans it again. And you obviously couldn't do that with a, a white costume either. Like that black also adds in a way, it adds the menace to it because you can't see his blood. You can't see anyone's blood on it because it, because of the colouring. I think it's a really brilliant choice. I'm glad white was not the choice for many reasons. Here's a question um, about the about the the you know like the robe. Hmm. Did you notice that it was quite glittery? 
at the um at the party no not really like it was kind of shiny it was kind of sparkly and i don't know if that was because he was at a party or if it was Mm -hmm. always glittery i didn't go back and i didn't have the effort to to go back and check but i'm like surely Mm -hmm. he was not this glittery it's not like he's sparkling don't don't get me wrong but it's just like there's a (laughs) there's just more of a glitter to his to his road later on and i'm like okay I'll, 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 I'll let you know how it goes when I watch it again with the wife, Jason. And then, listeners, if you if you yeah if you if you agree, let us know by social yeah, media. Let us me. know if it sparkling sparkling killer. I didn't notice it though. I have to admit, um, the master. Um, interesting. So it's based on a couple of things. Um, the painting "Scream" by Edvard um, Munch. We all know that one, right? That's the that hands-on face kind of screaming thing on a, on a jetty. I think it is. Yeah, um, it sounds like this. On the- ah. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Um, the characters, it's based the characters on the cover of the Pink Floyd album, The Wall, which most people will be familiar with. And the ghostly characters that appeared in the 1930s Betty Boop um, cartoon. That that's, I don't know. That sounds that terrifying. That just sounds scary as if that's the case. <laughs> Anything Betty Boop related is terrifying to me. No, just these ghostly, um, I can just picture the ghostly characters looking like ghost face, like, oh. <laughs> No, no, 1930s, 1930s cartoons were not um, children friendly, I don't think. Um, so the master picks someone screaming and crying at the same time, and it is quite, it's quite an emotional response, you know, it's, it's emotional response kind of thing is, is evoked when you're looking at it. It's, it's kind and of, I believe, it's kind of poetic. I think the, hmm. I guess that conflicting screaming hmm. thing. It's like. Like it's not really conflicting, but it's screaming, crying. It's a, it's a mesh of emotion. I don't know. There's something yeah. horrific about it's, that. It's very, very cool. Now, I also read as well, it's I don't very have this in cool. front of me, but that it was actually, there was a different design that um, production came up with. But um, Wes Craven really, really wanted this one, but it actually had a copyright attached to it. Now I don't have the. It's 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 oh. it's it's in um it's it's out there in the, you know for for the world to to have a look at. So go you know Google it out there, ladies and gentlemen. But it's it's definitely a thing. They um they basically started shooting with a different mold, um but they Wes Craven he just got the studio he just basically demanded that they needed to get a copyright license to use this existing design. Yeah, because um, wasn't this just like this le- was legitimately like just a Halloween costume that they picked up from some yeah, that's right. like party yeah. shop. It wasn't any sort of big name branded thing, but it no, was it's just like a random thing that you find in like you know the Kmart yeah. shop or something. But still obviously so, copyrighted by some schmuck somewhere that is somebody yeah probably now rolling so, so in. Eh, probably not even they probably got a nice check and probably should <laughs> yeah. have demanded more <laughs> probably probably that's how it played out but either way it was, it was interesting that they um yeah production came up with it it was a similar design like it did look quite similar but it ultimately there was um an existing product that they um that was craven really wanted and that's what he got so um so uh i guess the lead let's talk about nev campbell so Sydney Prescott, the lead actress, um, the main character of the of the film. It's, it's all really revolves around her and her her past experiences and the year before and and you know her experiences now. Her performance. I so look. I've got a note. I found a note here around um, her casting. Right. So Wes Craven had seen her in that old that TV show Party of Five, which I don't know if you've seen that or not. But basically, he asked her to audition because. He believed she could portray the character who was innocent, which is Party of Five was all about innocence, but could realistically handle herself while dealing with the physical conflict and emotions 
that were required with the role. And I feel like her performance is smack on that. Like she's a, you know, she's an innocent, you know, teenage virgin and, you know, has been with Barna Billy for two years and they've never had sex and, and all that. And that becomes like a conflict for them. But she has this level of resilience, I guess, the way that Nev Campbell kind of portrays her is, you know, she grows throughout the movie where she's no longer that innocent person and she defends herself. But then towards the tail end of the movie where she turns it on, 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 on the killers, like she's on the phone to them, you know, and dressing up in the outfit quickly. It's, I just feel like the growth, like you see a really a nice journey and she, she just, she's got a really solid, um, solid performance and portrayal of the character. That's my take on it anyway. What do you think? What do you reckon about I mean, Sydney Prescott? I mean, yeah, that works. That works in, in, in summary. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's a, it's interesting because you, you look back at all, you know, all the, slasher films that have come before and you know like you know mm. the whole final girl kind of concept um and you're thinking oh as as the movie progresses you're like, okay she's our lead she's going to be our final girl this movie could flip things and do something different but obviously yeah. like it still wants to kind of follow the rules and you know you mentioned like the virginity stuff you know one of the rules like yeah. don't have sex if you have sex <laughs> you will be killed and you know they, it is a plot point you know, later on where it's like she does have sex and then mm-hmm. it's her time to die, but then she gets out of it because of, like you mentioned, all that resilience. There's the plot with, mm. or like the backstory with like um, her mom who was killed, the dad who's, yeah. you know, constantly traveling. So like she's sort of, yeah. she's obviously already lost a parent, but now she's kind of an absent parent. She's dealing with yeah. all this stuff. The dad's disappeared. Is he a suspect? it's all tied into mm. the anniversary of her mother's death. So mm. she's very much an integral part of the whole happenings of the mm. killings and stuff like that. Um, at not any point though, even though, you know, she is dealing with these personal issues and struggling with it and stuff. And mm. you know, she's sort of finding, um, you know, like there's, there's like the reporter who we'll talk about in a sec, you know, like sort of digging into that aspect of it there's the other girls at school that yeah. are sort of like calling her out for being like maybe like she's making up you know like how she was attacked and survived you know doing it for attention yeah. um she's dealing with all of that and you, know, you get to see those emotional breaks in there where she's like either you know lashing out in anger or you know breaking mm. down in tears but then when it yeah. comes to it it's like she's pretty much holding strong throughout the whole movie like she's pretty much willing to put up a fight like she does in her house like she's jumping out windows and you know getting getting away and yeah Yeah. like she she takes down well she's very much involved in taking down the the killers at the end of the movie obviously she has help from some other characters who will will mention but she she yeah she does well very it's very easy to have made this character you know, like have it be where where we don't root for her, where we don't care, we're not invested. We're yeah. like, yeah, whatever. If she survives, she survives. Whatever. If we lose it, just like any throwaway slasher flick. But that's the one interesting thing. It's not the one interesting, but it's one of the the very interesting things about this film is that we do care yeah. about her. Look, a, a couple of the other characters, obviously not as developed as much. You know, they, mm. they still have shining sparks to them, but you want your lead to be the one that you root for. And I think this movie successfully does. And I think there's a reason why spoiler for the rest of the movies that are to come, but we're still, we still follow, you know, Sydney Prescott in Mm. all five films. Again, I don't know how much she's in the fifth one, but she's there. 
She's still she there. She's still kicking. There's a reason her character's interesting enough to come back. And whether yeah. it's just sort of like, well, it's, you know, she's just the star of the movies, keep her in there, but mm. she gets through it all. So likable character. Big tick for me. Yeah. Um, Big ticks for me too. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. So some of the characters, some of their, um, you know, their meta, like self-commentary and stuff around horror movies is really on the nose. But like Nev Campbell just does it with so... It's so it, it's disconnected from I guess the the rest of the the tongue in cheek stuff. Like she she says she says over the phone to, like when that, in that first interaction with her and Ghostface where she says she goes it's um it's not like a some kind of scary movie and she goes some killer some stupid killer stalking some big breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs when she should be running out the front door. It's insulting. <laughs> um, basically saying that you know like scary movies are all bullshit and she doesn't like them because he's trying to get her to tell her what he'll tell him what her favorite scary movie is and just the her delivery on that it's like she doesn't have time for it previously you saw Drew Barrymore and she was playing along with it a little bit whereas here she's just she's her own individual who she's not really going to entertain it she's not playing by that mold immediately she doesn't play by the rule that um that Ghostface wants her to play by yeah um, it's almost so- like in a movie that is very much dissecting and talking about the rules and, you know, mm. like the cliche of a horror film or a slasher film, she's yeah. very much a character at the centre of it that is, I guess, mm. breaking all of the rules. Like she's doing everything against it. Yeah. Except maybe running up the stairs. Or is that just what Drew Barrymore does? Yeah. I forget. She's very good at like blocking doors. Like, yeah. I thought that was, that was well, like, she, yeah, her, that very, was her skill set. clever. Like putting things, although, doors and, uh, <laughs> although the uh, the ironic thing is, you know, the, 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 her line about not going to run um run upstairs like an idiot or whatever, she locks the chain on the front door, and then she can't get it open, <laughs> and so she has to run up the stairs. But then she gets creative with how she locks the doors up there and stuff. But I really like her line as well as um when she's talking further, you know, along when she's talking to her mate about if they ever made all of this a movie, and she goes. Um, I, I'd probably be um, cast as like Tory Spelling would be cast as me or something like that. And interestingly, Stab, the movie Stab in the later movies, Tory Spelling is cast as Sydney in those movies. Like the, you know, the, the movies within movies. Mm. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah. Cause yeah. one of them, I think, is it the third one where it's like they're making a movie or something? Yeah. And, t- and Tory Spelling's the, uh, the, the Sydney Prescott, like, mm actor so um that's very just a nice little tongue-in-cheek i'm sure that was not intentional at all but uh it definitely turned out that way it was very very cool i just love like when we get to the end of the movie and you know like just to show how badass she is yeah you know it's, it's all that thing like the killer's down but it's like okay here's that moment where the killer makes like one triumphant like you know like a big attack just to scare you and it's like bang yeah. not in my movie like that's just her once yeah. again, Sydney, the character taking control and saying, Yeah, nope, like, I'm there's no rules here. Like, I, I'm running yeah. this show, yeah, and straight to the head, done, straight um, to the head. Interesting, <laughs> interestingly, before we move on to, uh, to the next character, um, get this Melissa Joan Hart and Brittany Murphy and, and a few others were all they all auditioned. Could you imagine that Melissa Joan Hart or Brittany Murphy doing that, that role? I just can't. So I'm, I'm glad that it's worked out. Oh, with, look, Nev Campbell. Can always be surprised. Could always be surprised. Can always, you, can, you can. I mean, they definitely would have pulled off that kind of innocent teenage kind of thing, you know, but 
just that extra strength and things like Nev Campbell just really nails it. I think. I think I'd but love to still... see Melissa Joan Hart in a horror flick, like just really getting. <laughs> I mean, she was, that was peak peak Sabrina that then, though. Like, <laughs> in the... <laughs> oh, interesting. All right. Anyway, uh, next character, David Arquette, played Dewey Riley. I thought he was all right. I thought he's okay, but I did. I mean, he's a little bit annoying. And I can see why Scary Movie takes the Mickey out of him a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, like he's, he's, it's you know he's twenty. He's meant to be twenty five years old or whatever he is, right? And he's you know he's having a briefing with the sheriff and he's sitting there eating an ice cream. <laughs> you're like you're like, what are you doing, mate? What's going on? But you know, um, so you know, Joey Riley, he's um, uh, Sydney's best mate's brother and so there's like a nice little dynamic there where he just seems to not have any authority when they're, he's around them because he's either really into Sydney, I got that impression that he was kind of had a crush on her or something or he just gets undermined by his sister so you know even though he's the deputy sheriff of the town he just seems to have you know, yeah, no authority at all amongst the teenagers, it's really it's quite it's a, I think it's a little bit like that and I'd imagine there would be some sort of fond um, some fondness of Sydney you know like it's your sister's best friend. She's over all the time. Like they would, there would be something there. And I think because of what you see of, of Dewey's character, like he's quite innocent and, you know, like, yeah, you know, 25, like still like on the young side in terms of, I guess, where he's at and how he lets his, I mean, he stands up to his sister, but he still mm-hmm. kind of lets her talk to her. And, you know, he's standing in the middle of the precinct and, and he's just like, what did mom tell you? about like talking to me when I when I'm wearing the badge it's, it's like yeah. I'm not your little brother like a, or your older brother or whatever it is I'm not your brother um, yeah. you know like I'm a worker I'm of the law sheriff. or whatever he like, says yeah, yeah, like, yeah. If sheriff yeah. it's you know, very important you got to respect the badge yeah but it's still right. he still allows there to be a moment in the police precinct where you know like it, mm. instead of just ignoring it and being like no like he's caught up in it and he has to stand up for himself, but he's making a big deal about it. Like it's just like like a little like a little boy would be like, no, mom said yeah. not to. So it's it's cute. It's cute. It is cute. I think you get the benefit of this character over the next few movies, getting to know him and seeing him developing into a stronger character. Um, yeah. and you think, you know, by the end of this movie, you think, oh, he's gonna be like, you know, the cop hero who's gonna have a part of uh, saving the day you know he puts a good effort in but he's down for the count he does Mm. not have his heroic moment um he gets his ass kicked yeah yeah so they do sideline and they make it about the chicks kicking ass which is pretty cool Mm. um sort of going against that that trope of you know the guy with the gun helping and saving the day like they don't need it instead they put the gun in a chick's hand and say go for it Literally, he's his gun in their hands, and away you go. <laughs> um, so I mean, yeah, David Arquette, yeah, cool, great. Dewey's great. Um, I'm actually surprised that he's managed to get all the way through to the fifth movie, to be honest, because he would have been a prime <laughs> person to kill. But anyway, um, that's fine. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll just have to <laughs> just live with that. The fact that Dewey's gonna, you know, he, he's 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 unkillable apparently, even though he got stabbed in the back with a giant friggin' hunting knife. Really actually, happens I, I remember. <laughs> yeah, well, true, and I, and I don't think I'm going to get to watch that for quite a while. So we'll see how it goes. Um, Courtney Cox, though, so uh, who plays Gail Weather? So she's a reporter, um, and I want to talk about her a little bit. 
Um, but it, just a, a note that we've got here in the notes, but it is important to note, at Courtney Cox, at this point in her career, she was very much in the Friends kind of, you know, Monica thing. Um, and so she was interested in playing this character because it's a little bit more bitchy and a little bit, yeah, um, just as a, a contrast to her normal character. Um, just Monica against, against the type, against the type. Sort of yeah. And I can see, you know, there, there's definitely be some, um, you know, as an, as an actor in, in that kind of profession, you would definitely look at these options for sure to kind of not be typecast, you know, right when you're at the peak of your career kind of thing. Mm. Now, she is a very good bitch. Interestingly, <laughs> she's a very good. She does it. She does yeah, it she very does. well. I think. I really did not like her. I thought her portrayal. I thought Courtney Cox was fantastic. I thought Gail Weathers was a bitch, and she deserved to die. And I wish that she did, but she didn't. And looking That's again, at the, the I, cast, uh, one of those one of those yeah. things in a movie full of you know, like this in a way celebrating, but they're, they're doing all the cliches. You think, hey, yeah. this this chick's going to get her comeuppance, but instead. She has more of a sort of, I guess, semi-redemption moment, a heroic moment. She kind of has, she kind of has redemption day. moments the whole way through the series. To be honest, like she yeah, starts like this movie. Yeah, this she always like. I guess at the end of them, is always I guess deciding to do the right thing or or whatever. But uh, but either way, I just oh, she's just so power hungry and greedy, and it's all about you know that there's that that comment where she says. You know what is it? Something about her book, where it's like that'll sell more books. Like it starts off being a compassionate thing, and then it's just like, you know, no, it's going to sell more books. This is why we we need mm. to do whatever we're about to do. I think it's to prove Cotton innocent or something like that. Yeah, and she's she's like he's he's an innocent man in jail, and then she turns around and goes, "That's going to sell more books." Yeah, it's like oh god. Just quickly, it, just quickly on Cotton. Like we'll get back to to. Um... Mm-hmm. I'm just going to call her Monica. <laughs> we'll get back to her in a sec. But yeah. Con Weary, so the guy who's obviously being accused, charged of, of killing, mm. you know, Sydney's mother, um, played mm. by Liv Schreiber, who yeah. and I'm probably saying his name wrong as well, um, <laughs> features in this film for like a second. He's there. Just a cameo. Just a cameo. And interestingly, mm. they bring him back. Again, I can't remember if it's the second film or the third film. It's all a blur. But, second um, film. It's the second, second film. So he's yeah. back in there. And I know these movies, you know, this the second one came out pretty much the year after, so they did not mm. waste any time. But they they didn't know they were doing the second one at, this, at the time of this, this film. I mean, I know there were some story points written down, but the fact that they... There's a five-page treatment was like was yeah, for but they, it, yeah. they had this guy cast in this role and then they brought him back for that role where they very easily could have recast or had someone else. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was very interesting that they like because I watched it, I was watching this movie and I was like, holy shit, he's there so already. True. I figured it would have just been some random face, and then mm. later on it was like, Oh, yeah, he's the guy. It was always this guy, really. Yeah. But no, very yeah. good, very good. But um, Gay Weathers, Gay Weathers. Mm-hmm. Look, I yeah. think she does have a bit of a she almost has like a like a, a whole arc, but it's it's never really forced where it's like, oh, now suddenly she's turned over a new leaf. I think it's just like yeah. she's, I think uh, her interactions with Dewey soften her up a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, it's setting up sort of a flirtatious thing and their relationship sort mm-hmm. of going forward in the films. And I guess off screen as well, the two of them did get married. Bit. Very cute. Yes. Uh, you know, for a bit, <laughs> for a bit. For, well, a, look, bit. Um, for a while. 
And I think she doesn't do anything outside of the norm of what, like, I think it would have been more unrealistic if her character was like, yeah. no, I'm just getting out of here because I'm a bitch and that's in my nature. I think the fact that she goes back, even though it is, like, for the story to investigate, yeah. to find out what's going on, but then she's willing to pick up a gun and save, you know, Sydney's life and the life of, well, I guess, yeah, you know, like the, the whole lot, like the father and, yeah. you know, the... What's Jamie Kennedy's character's name? Randy. Randy. There it is off the Randy top Hanks. of my tongue yeah. there. Um, yeah. Like, she saves the day. And I think it's almost like her and Sydney have this glance at the end where they look at each other and it's sort of like, even though, you know, there was a punch to the face, there was personal <laughs> attacks, there was just, you know, putting the story and the, the you know, the media side of it and the book mm. sales ahead of everything else, despite feelings and all that. They look at each other and there's almost like a, a, a silent nod of like, cool, yeah. you got my back, I got your back. Awesome. Like, we did this. Yeah. Like, we're a good pair. We're a good pair. We should come back for the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, is a, which is a trope in itself. Um, trope in so, itself. Um, and, uh, well, to, to expand on what you were saying before about, um, uh, you know, Cotton in it and, and just the way that this was kind of, you know, just the different characters and, and, and how they put it all together and stuff just quickly. Um, I was just 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 clarifying just then as you were talking, but they actually began filming this as this movie, um, sorry, Scream 2, as this film was in cinemas because of the test audience's reactions. So they truly didn't have a clue that, you know, with that cameo that they were actually mm. going to, you know, what was going to happen, but clearly it, it was popular. Um, and I truly don't think, you know, Courtney Cox or anybody realised just quite what, really what was going on with this. So it was a good gamble on her part to, to, you know, to take a part that wasn't typecast and, and all of that, like, very, you know, well, well done kind of thing. Um, I don't, that, that, that relationship you're talking about, you know, with that little nod of respect and things, um, I really like, I felt like it was earned. Like sometimes it can be done in a kind of a cliche way where, you know, it's just how people end up, you know, at the end. But like, you know, like, um, what well, Gail was legitimately driving away <laughs> and she was escaping as the bitch character would do. And bloody, she runs off the road and has an accident. So, oh, actually, yeah. Is, is, it more, yeah, is it more she's yeah. gone back for revenge? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what she's done, but but either way, and she, yeah, she has that moment of, of a kind of redemption where she she's putting herself, um, you know, and she she takes the gun and she she does it, does her thing. I just, yeah. And I think, you know, as you watch the other movies in the series as well, she grows even further, I think, as well. So good character. Sydney, Gail, both good characters. Now let's talk about my favourite character, who is <laughs> Stu, Stu Matt, I mean, Matcher, Macca. Do you even hear his surname? Probably not. But, you know. Anyway, played by Matthew Lillard. And he is my favourite character in this whole movie. He is so funny. He's a psychopath he's in like every scene that he's in. It is every it is. scene, and, and he doesn't. He really like. I know that a lot of movies in the nineties with their teenage bloody cast, they clearly are teenagers, right? They're a little bit older, <laughs> oh, for sure. But he does. He does this embody this stupid teenage bloke. He is just truly is just an idiot, um, but he's a fun idiot and a friendly idiot. And then when we get that switch, so we haven't really actually said it, but should we, you know, the, 
Say it now. Say it now. He is is one of the two killers. He's one half of Ghostface. (laughs) And his reveal, I mean, the whole reveal itself is he immediately flicks from stupid prankster teenage boy to utter psychopath, complete and utter psychopath, and it is brilliant. I, I I don't know how Matthew Lillard did it. He he's a, I mean I I've got I got I, like, I enjoy a lot of his work anyway. But this I think this would have been my introduction to him, you know, and and since then I don't think he he's really done like a villain role. I can't really p- place it to be honest. But his yeah his his portrayal of of, of a of a murderer of a serial killer, it's so, and the chemistry he has with Billy as well. We'll talk about Billy in a sec. It's like it's a genuine connection there, um, of like friendship and camaraderie, but also like I kind of feel like he was idolizing Billy a little bit, like he was a follower. Yeah, like he's like, not a leader himself. Yeah, I think, I think the the cracks start to show obviously like after you know he he gets stabbed maybe too many times and he's yeah he's almost like nope I'm dying man we've made a mistake here uh, whoops this isn't good I don't feel too good I think yeah. that's where you start to see it's like. I don't think he really wanted to be there and do what he needed yeah. to do. And maybe he didn't quite understand exactly what he was getting into and what it really meant. Yeah. But I mean, he went, he went through it. <laughs> One of my a big, big lull moment was when he's bleeding out kind of thing and he's trying to keep her that speak on the phone. And then he gives the phone to Billy and Billy's talking and Billy loses his temper and throws the phone back at him. And he goes, <laughs> you threw the phone at me, you bastard or something. And then he picks up the phone and he goes, hello. Yeah. <laughs> no, clearly this- delirious. Like he's losing all the blood and all that. Like, why the hell did they stab each other before they killed everybody? Why didn't they kill everyone first? Well, because I think they and then stab each other. I thought everyone was dead and it was just Sydney left. And I think they just wanted to show her the length that they were going to go to the to show yeah. that they were going to get away with it. So, mm. but it's weird looking back at looking back at it. And it's like when you know the outcome, it's like it's very clear and very obvious, despite all the red herrings and stuff throughout yeah. the movie. And you know, it's like, oh, he's wearing the same boots that like the sheriff wears, and all these other random bits and pieces. It's like, no, it's very yeah. clearly them. They're pretty mental. They're pretty mental. All right, that's enough about Stu, Matthew Lillard. Let's stop gushing about him. Let's talk about um, Tatum. So Rose McGowan, Tatum Riley, who is um, Sydney's best mate and also uh, probably the best death in the entire movie. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a bit so, more uh, like comedic, I guess, a bit theatrical. It's, it certainly is. Like the rest of it's, you know, it's all knife slashing stuff and all that. But this is, I mean, she has, I guess she has a neck broken by the door like what? yeah it's crazy it's like the garage door she's she like goes, almost split yeah, in half the without the actual... and, yeah oh god i mean i was exp- I, I i could could just see like how they could get away with just cutting cutting her in half or something and still to have the same effect but tell you like she's just hanging there and then later sydney goes outside and sees her it's like oh gosh um, i think that's the that's the nasty thing about it it's like it's like she's she's not cut in half she's crushed and then left there so then you can revisit her later and it's like oh okay she's still there and you know like ghostface does not clean up his mess he's just kind of like i'll get dead let's go yeah Doesn't have time. although he does clean he does clean up the uh, cameraman a little bit puts him on the roof so we could bleed all over the window which is yes, just an yeah. amazing thing that, oh, God, just... 
It's just but, a sick thing. But, sick thing it is. Rose McGowan, though, let's just talk about her a little bit. So, yeah, um, a little little factoid is that she dyed her hair blonde um, because she's naturally brown um, and she wanted to make sure that she was differentiated from Nev Campbell, and that makes mm. sense. It's very important. It's very important. Too many brunettes well, in this movie already. So Yeah. Mm. But you, you do, like, she does, you know, I think it was a really good call, though, because... To me, it was kind of like a throwback, and it might have been unintentional, but it happens twice in the movie to um, uh, Clueless, because I'm, you know, sharing Clueless, so Alicia Silverstone, because once the first time you meet Rose, she's wearing like a tartan skirt and things like that. Um, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she says, and she says the word um, Clueless, like at a very her greeting, and she says like, you know, you're Clueless or something like that, and then you see her outfit. But then later, there's a, another uh, nod to Clueless where um, oh, I can't remember. Somebody uh, calls, I think, I think it's, it's be- calls Billy it's be- uh, Alicia or something like that. And no, it's it's between gives, it's gives, between Stu and um, uh, what's his name? I keep forgetting his name. Oh, uh, Kennedy's uh, Randy, Randy. Randy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, as if oh, really, Alicia? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's the line. So there's two, for what I can tell, there's two nods to, um, you know, that 90s bloody classic freaking Clueless. But, I mean, I, I haven't researched when Clueless came out, but to me it just seemed like she was, Rose McGowan's character was, looked to be like an embodiment in a little bit of, um, or at least at least a tribute in some sense to uh, to to share from, from Clueless, just in the way she dressed and, you know, well, Clueless was 95, so just the year before. So I guess it was yeah, right. it was the hot thing. It was the hot thing. But look, Rose McGowan's um portrayal. This is one of the characters where I feel like there was enough in there to get a basis of who the character was, personality-wise, mm-hmm. you know, a bit of a dick to her brother, but I mean, it's sort of like nothing too nothing yeah. too nasty. It was just sort of like, you know, sibling sort of banter and yeah. borderline harassment, but that's okay. Um <laughs> Seemed like a good enough friend to Sydney, so she doesn't seem like a terrible character in any way, like a terrible person. Yeah. But I just feel like, yeah, obviously we don't get too much from her. We obviously get her relationship with Stu and all mm. of that. And, you know, I guess that's just, they're just the other couple that we're following, really. I thought she was, you know, I think her purpose there is really just to kind of, I mean, maybe advise um, advise Sydney. Like she, she, Pretty much has has you know Sydney's back in, in in most of the situations, and like she's sitting there later like later in the movie when they're I guess in the, the grocery store and they're talking about how Billy is kind of pressuring for sex and stuff like that, mm. and and um, Tatum just turns around and he goes you know he, him and his dick are not worth you or something like that you know like <laughs> clearly clearly got her, her friends back and all that, but she is very I think a little bit um, portrayed as a little bit dumb like dumb blondie kind of thing which is kind of relates to the shirt kind of thing I was talking about before. But, you know, when she's locked in the basement and then you've got Ghostface and she just thinks it's somebody in a direct outfit, which is also adds the tension a little bit. You're like, because he doesn't talk, he just nods his head and things like that. But she's um she's like, oh, she says one of the most best meta lines in the, in the movie, I think. It's like, oh, don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you're not going to be in a sequel, love. You're done. You're done. <laughs> And then, um, like yeah, she ain't gonna be in Scream too. <laughs> She's out, uh, and she, she, and, and then he proceeds to kill her. 
by by locking it. What she tries to escape through the dog door, and then he lifts up the, the roller door, and no, that's it. Messy. Yeah, it's messy. messy. But one of my things, going going back to what we're saying at the start there about how grounded this is, like she drops her bottles of uh, beer and they have a bit of a struggle and she throws beer bottles at him and they, they're throwing things at him, you know, in the garage. And yet that's where those moments where like, you know, he's getting knocked to the floor and he's like getting back up and it's a real struggle. It's not just a case of someone being a superhuman, just, just completely, you know, just destroying this, um, you know, senseless dumb blonde. She actually holds her own and defends herself to a point, but she just can't get, she just can't escape. So I just like that grounded feel to it, that, real, that realistic take. Like we would all you know, hope to think that you'd all fight, fight for your life as best as you can, you know. So and then and then go out the doggy yeah. door if the, the roller shutter doesn't. Because you're, because, because you're an idiot. Yes, <laughs> because she's an idiot. Um, so let's move on. Last character. Let's talk about. Uh, oh no, second last character. But, um, Skeet, Urich, who plays Billy. Now, Billy. Billy, 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 Billy is a true creep from the start, and um, all he wants is the bloody bone, Sydney. That's it. I mean, teenage yeah. boy, I get it, but he does not look like a, like a teenage boy. Um, I think Nev Campbell kind of looks teenagey. I guess. Uh, look, to be honest, like I mean, none of them look like teenagers, but I think we need to overlook that. It's it's yeah. not too distracting. No, but he does look like he's in his thirties. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he's just he just has this weird creepy look. You know when he 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 like just maybe drops his head a little bit and looks up like with his kind of eyebrows kind of like line like um it's just I like I was as I was watching it again just yeah he just emanates creep and i you know i knew that he was this he was the killer but i was just like i don't know how how i understand why she's immediately suspicious of him you know because of his his behavior it's he he doesn't hide it as well as what i think um uh Stu does i, I he, suppose it's 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 sort of like it's that bad boy look that bad boy sort of persona that he sort of has but i think yeah. the i think the interpretation is meant to be like you know, oh, he's he's probably actually really a nice guy, and obviously, you know, he'll he'll creep into a room, and you know, like you know, they'll get up to some hanky panky, and then, but then, you know, before he he leaves, you know, he'll say, oh, look, you know, I was just kidding, like I'm happy to wait for you, like I don't want to rush you. So it's like he says what he needs to say, he's saying the right thing, and of course they're young, Sydney's impressionable, like she's just like like. I love this guy. Like, well, I don't know. I don't know if mm. she loves him, but it's like, you know, she's into this guy. She's with him. He's saying the right yeah. stuff. You know, he's not leaving being like, when he calls her a tease, he's not like, you know, he's like, oh, you're such a tease. Okay, good night. Bye. It's not like you're a tease, like you skank hope or something. You know, he's not being aggressive Except- to her. But at the end of the day, like, you're right. Like, he is such a creepy dude. And again, mm. looking back, watch this movie and you know the outcome it's like of course he's one half of the killer he's creepy as but i guess it's one of those things but is the movie setting you up for misdirection throughout the whole thing are they trying to make it almost too obvious that he's the killer that you think it's not and then they do things and show you things that prove that it's not him yeah of course because there's two of them what a twist yeah it's like oh well that eliminates all of those reasonings and stuff yeah into the point where you know you know in when they're in the bedroom after you know after they've Mm. finally slept with each other and then you know city's questioning him like wait 
like you had one call who did you call blah 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 like was it you who called me not ghostface yeah. and then yeah you know, ghostface bursts in and stabs him and then you're meant to sit there and go okay well what the hell? It, yeah. it wasn't him yeah. Shit. yeah i mean that's the feeling you're meant to have and that works obviously if you know the outcome yeah. it's not gonna work but if you're watching this for the first time like you know when you show laura you know when you eventually watch this again with her mm-hmm. she's gonna be like she's gonna have that thought she's gonna be like oh it wasn't him what yeah. i mean and that misdirection it, you're right it's all over the shop like the fact that the the dad can't be located um and the phones are all the calls are all coming from his cell um and then yeah so like you said yeah, are- billy being stews somewhere and then um uh, you know billy somewhere when ghostface is doing something and then it's like yeah there are things in the movie telling you that it's not that person or that person and there's different clues and there's different red herrings again like the sheriff's boots it's like he's wears the same boots oh my god let's let's get him it's him like what a twist where the hell's the dad (laughs) what's going on and then yeah even when you get to you know randy he's pointing out all the suspects and he's like i should be one of the prime suspects because of my fascination with movies. Yeah. He's like, everybody's a suspect. Everyone should be a suspect. The police are doing it wrong. Like, yeah. He doesn't need to watch a movie. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. Randy, Randy is an incredible character. Maybe we should talk about him but, um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a second. Now, before we just move on from Billy quick, I just want to point out, like, so he does, like, yeah, they, they're trying to subvert your attention from him, but then they, um, you know, then they make you feel like he is and he isn't and all that. But I genuinely do think that he's just a bad human being, regardless of the psychopathy, just the way that he, um, you know, just kind of insisting on sex and all that. But there's one particular element around it. You get, you get, you get teenage horny boy thing, but then the other part is he, where he, he gets let out of jail and he says, what do you say? I have a girlfriend who would rather accuse me of being a psychopath instead of touching my body. And then she turns around because it's literally the anniversary of her mum's death and goes, can't believe you're, you're bringing this up. It's been a year. And he goes, I think it's been time. I think it's time you get over that. And I, I remember watching that and I just could not yeah. believe how evil a boyfriend that is. Well, Not even, like a killer, but just what kind of dick does that? Even from so, like Sydney's standpoint, you know, like she's, yeah. she's sitting there and, you know, at this point in time, like she doesn't, she doesn't think that you know, like he. She's not back to thinking he's the killer or anything like that. But mm. you know, she, she's she's making the stand and saying, like, you know, yeah, it's been a year. It is time I move on. Like, I shouldn't dwell mm. on it too much. And it's like, nah, man, you keep grieving your mother as long as it yeah. takes. Like, it's okay. A year yeah. is not that long. It's really not, and especially under yeah. the circumstances, she didn't die of cancer or something. You know, it yeah. wasn't like, or she was in a car yeah. accident. It was like someone took that person's life like like you you grieve and yeah and especially on the anniversary it's like i'll get over (laughs) it's like come on man you absolute asshole so and then obviously but i guess the the real the real thing that makes it you know like you 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 take in the the horny teenage boy versus the psychopath Mm. killer and it's like I, I think the horny teenage boy thing diminishes when the only reason he wanted to sleep with her was so mm-hmm. again to follow the rule is the that you can't so kill, kill you can't kill the virgin you need to make sure she's mm-hmm. not a virgin so it's like he slept with her not because he was a horny teenage boy but because he was because he wanted to kill, a psycho yeah. killer yeah who, who um, watches too many bloody movies mm. so. and what makes it all creepier is the 
you know, like when they're talking about like, what's the motive? It's like, what, what's it all about? And it's like, there is no motive. Like mm. there's, there's no motive whatsoever. They just yeah. wanted to do oh, it. Oh gosh. Yeah. And then he, mm. oh. creepy. When creepy, you find creepy. out as well, like that, that, you know, that, you know, he was him and as she were the ones that killed the mum as well. And because, you know, she was a bit I, what, what promiscuous or whatever and slept with, Billy's dad or something or whatever, like yeah, like that whole reveal as well. Yeah, that whole reveal that you know. So not only do you have these two two dudes who are killing people now, but they started a year ago from you know like as in a revenge thing, and it's um, just adds that extra layer to you know how deep you know their you know their their psychopathy is. You know, like. It's not just a case of in the moment now. Like they've been doing it for a year. I mean, thinking about it and, and plotting it for a year. It's pretty pretty crazy stuff. Anyway, what's not crazy but is very funny is uh, Jamie Kennedy, Kennedy's performance as uh, Randy Meeks, who is also one of my favourite characters, I must say. Still kind of crazy. Still kind of crazy. But look, this is where we get all of our, we get our gateway into like, I guess, the, yeah. the meta, the meta-ness. The meta-ness? I don't know the the meta side of this film and all the, the you know the commentary there through him you know the the rules of the the horror movie genre and you know like if we were if yeah. this was a horror movie this is what needs to happen this is what we need to be looking for and doing and it's like he's their guide yeah he's their guide so we get a lot of interesting exchange through him and I think he is our yeah I said he's our gateway. He's our- oh, I mean, he's he's he's, he's Captain Ex- Exposition, I guess. He also, yeah, he's he's our link to the horror movie genre. So, if you just hadn't figured out just then, you know, you know, as you're watching it, that it's a commentary on you know horror movie tropes. He's the one there to come in and just tell you, just guide straight you. to your face. I wouldn't, he's- I wouldn't like, I wouldn't want to like um, put him in a corner and say he's he's just the guy with the exposition because it's not like he's explaining situations oh, no, yeah, it's a different layer to it yeah it's yeah. it's almost like i don't know Most, except yeah. when he's, he's literally he's except when he's literally yelling jamie look behind you jamie look behind <laughs> you and his name is jamie and it's jamie lee curtis on the screen and it's, it's just happening in real time that's an amazing scene whoa. though <laughs> whoa i didn't what? even like I got i got the whole like screaming at the television and telling you know you know laurie strode to essentially turn around, look behind you, and obviously Ghostface is yeah. behind him about to stab him. But the fact that he's yelling Jamie, as in Jamie Lee Curtis, and his name is Jamie Kennedy, I did yeah. not put that together. And that's amazing. <laughs> it's pretty pretty fun stuff. But um, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Cast just, just to do that one scene. But, I mean, he's, he's great. And I love the, the scene in the video store where you got him and Stu and like Stu is a very bad friend to take take away the killer side of things. He's just a bit of an asshole, but uh, you know, to, 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 to poor Randy, but um, yeah, where he's just talking about, you know, this is why this is happening and this is, you know, and if people just friggin' paid attention to movies, they'd actually, you know, they'd be able to catch the people that are doing this. I love how he's standing um, there and he's like having this whole rant about like who the killer could be, should be, will be or whatever. And there's this blonde yeah. woman behind him sort of like almost, in earshot, but just a little bit in the distance, just sort of staring at him, and then just like pauses, mm. walks away, like just like I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> great moment, just subtle, subtle oh. moment. Even though you know we think we think he's killed in this movie, and again, you would you would yeah. suspect a character like this to definitely die 
you know, if we mm. were watching, if this was a scary movie. Um, but he survives. And I guess the main reason well, for a, that, honestly, is... Well, there you go. Well, there you go. But I think the main reason he does survive is so we can use him in the second one and continue his meta commentary and yeah explanation of the rules. Also into the third one as well. Does he survive the second one as well? I guess we need him for the third one. So sure. No, he's um. I don't. I don't think he survives the second one. He's, he records a video for the trilogy for the third one. <laughs> okay. Said, and, and around like advice on the trilogy and what can happen, which is why they say that Sydney can die in the third uh, one. So they had to obviously come up with a convoluted way to bring him back in the third one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Obviously, just talking, Randy. We're talking about all the meta humor stuff. Mm. Let's talk about a little bit of. I guess how they kind of brought in a bit of the meta. I'm not going to go into. There's heaps. There's heaps to go through. Oh, but I guess so there's there's a few things. There's a few things, and I think the way we can start it. I know it's sort of a bit weird, but Henry Winkler's in this movie. Now he's yes, uncredited, he but he plays. Is it like the principal? I guess it's the principal. Arthur Principal Hembry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Arthur Hembry. So yeah. he's in this movie. He's only in like three scenes they're all in his office whatever um it goes uncredited i guess it was something to do with like not wanting to take away from like the 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 younger cast a lot of them not really well known um but look he's he's in the movie and look honestly not much to say about his character he's there seems like a very nice guy shuts the school down when he thinks it's uh needed um bit of a bit of a quick gruesome death but yeah his there's a scene with him that is like the most meta um mm. like this is where this movie kind of goes into a little bit of like okay okay this is a little bit borderline just parody movie where yeah. he, he goes out he peeks his head out of the office or well, what was he saying he saying something mm. on some sort of abuse and then yeah yeah he looks at the janitor the janitor looks up and says like mm. what did you call me and it's like not you fred and this is Wes Craven playing Fred. It is. Um, yeah. He's wearing... Dressed he's a, in a... He's a janitor a wearing a red and green strut. Strut sweater, um, just like Freddy Krueger from A Nightmare, of Elm, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, yeah. Pretty much. And these are the... They're the actual clothes. So it's not just like, hey, oh, wow. the actual clothes from that first film. <laughs> of course, Wes Craven, um, obviously, you know, did... Mm. I don't know if he did the, the first one. He might have just done the first one and the rest were taken over or something else. I don't know. I didn't look into it. I forget. Okay. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, but there's even there's even a, a shout out about the, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies like where it's like, oh, yeah, the mm. first one was a masterpiece and the rest were, were rubbish. So I'm guessing he right. only directed the first one. <laughs> Bit up himself, but that's okay. Good times. Yeah. We're all having fun. Yeah. We're all having fun. Speaking more Nightmare on Elm Street stuff, the the character yep. of of Sheriff Burke, who's played by Joseph Whip, um, yep. Joseph Whip also played a cop in Nightmare on Elm Street, that original nineteen eighty four mm. film. Now the screen, screenwriter Kevin Williamson stated he was so upset by the, as in the character, the character of Sheriff Burke was so upset by the events in Nightmare on Elm Street that he moved to a small town in Northern California and <laughs> became the sheriff. Yeah, right. So obviously not true, but um, that's I mean, that'd be, that'd be a bit think that. Mind-blowing, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is it's funny though. Well, I mean, Kevin Williams did write it all. So, yeah, okay, cool. Sweet. Yeah. So um, I thought there were a few things sort of just like big, big overbearing thing. But mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, 
anytime they mention like a, a particular movie, whether it's you yeah. know, we've got the stuff at the at the beginning with Drew Barrymore, you know, they mentioned Halloween, Nightmare on Elm yeah. Street, of course, Friday the Thirteenth. Um, they even go into like other things like Hannibal, um, like you know, yeah, they do. The land yeah. more 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 likely, yeah. um, like other horror movies that aren't your traditional sort of mm. like slasher flicks like that. They go all out various different things which is very very cool as i was watching i was trying to keep track of how many times they mentioned a, a movie title like a movie and and i completely lost track but yeah they you know they mentioned everything from um you know science of the lambs to to jason and, and like whatever jason's in halloween and all and all that but I, I just i was really really just impressed by they just wove it into Little, just little moments where something was happening on screen or it was just in reference to just some dialogue. Even, you know, like they call, somebody walks through the, the door and says, you know, what's Leatherface doing here? You know, <laughs> like, and just, <laughs> and it's as if they're all, all of them are massive horror, horror movie buffs and they just are all so well-versed and so passionate about and so interested, you know, when they're at the house party, what do you, who goes to a house party and just watches a horror movie and then there's, has a big drunken debate about the rules of a horror movie and, and all that. I just, I thought it was. Well, I guess under so the circumstances, and, under the circumstances, you know, yeah. there's a killer running around. It's like, yeah, you know, makes sense to have that discussion. It would come up. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Let's watch. Let's go watch a horror. Um, but yeah, just the, the meta side of things. I just, I thought it was so clever and well done in, in those subtle moments, but also in the full in-your-face moments of you know, don't kill me, Mister Go-Face. I want to be here for the sequel. It's like far out. It's brilliant. So brilliant. Um, so I, yeah, I loved it. I, I loved it. And I just, I just can't really think of another example of a movie that's done something like this. You know, and you know, we're talking 1996, very, very ahead of its time in in that sense as well. You know, I mean, not to not to break your heart too much, but I mean, like meta humor and like movies being very self aware and TV shows as well. Um, it's become a lot more common. And I think in recent years, it's almost gotten to a point where it's like, unless they really have a, a good handle on what they're doing with it and, and really crafty mm. with it, 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 it's becoming very gimmicky and not very <laughs> creative. It's becoming its own. It's becoming it's, meta meta. It's becoming its own trope. Maybe that's what the fifth movie's about. Just movies becoming too meta. <laughs> oh, shit. How mad is that? Oh, my brain hurts. Yeah. Um, oh, really? But really what's what this film was doing there with its meta? You know, is it just meta humor or just meta in general? Just being meta. Um, well, that's the thing. I think it's just being meta. Like it's being, being self-aware, but it, but it's not actually being self-realized. But it was doing you know, it's, it, not- it's doing it in such a creative, um, original way, and it was yeah. something that wasn't really seen of. Unless it was like a straightforward mm. comedy, yeah, I mean, or a parody, you know, like where, where they're purposefully, um, yeah, you know, like their uh, national lampoons, like Loaded Weapon and things like that, where mm. they're, they're literally, you know, they're oh, freaking even Austin Powers, you know, it, that's meta in a sense that it's, you know, it's so it's it's self appreciating, but it's also a parody. But it, they're all none, nothing you can take seriously. Whereas this. It's just got a different tone where, you know, it's got that grounded feel and feel to it. And it is, you know, 
it's self-aware and, and the commentary around, you know, all of the tropes in, in horror and it, they're all experiencing it, but they don't realise they're experiencing it. It's, I think it's just a very, very clever way of doing it. So, mm. it's serious. Anyway, um, we, we're going to have to wrap up soon, I think, because we've talked and talked and talked about <laughs> what the movie actually runs. But uh, let's talk about this quickly, some trivia stuff here. Um, and I saw this and I could not believe it, but the party scene, that Stu's party, so it runs for 42 minutes. That's including all of the, the climax and all that. But it was shot over the course of 21 days. And that's just insane. And, and after the, it was wrapped, the crew had T-shirts that, that read, I survived scene 118, you know, which was, would have been the scene in, in, in the run for it. 21 days of shooting. It's insane. The longest, the longest horror night or something. They they refer to it as like the longer, yeah. the longest night in horror movie history. I think that sounds a little mm-hmm. bit more accurate, but that's cool. I mean, I mean, you're shooting a whole thing at, uh, during the at night time. You you've only got limited hours. Uh, yeah. It's gonna take a few days, but they got it done. They got it done. Also, fun fact: there was about fifty gallons of blood used by the special effects team. Lots of corn Indeed. syrup there. I'm guessing. Yep. So much corn syrup. So much corn syrup. Um, one thing I wanted to note, note about the, spe- the special effects with this. So a couple of things, like when um th- this with this movie, it, it was it's brilliant. When somebody gets stabbed and like when they're laying on the ground, kind of thing, their wounds actually bleed like through their clothes and stuff, which I thought was really cool. Um, I just felt like they because they they make a commentary in the movie about how oh, that's the wrong colour. Why do they do that? Ugh. Like it's too Where, bright this, or it's too dark or something. Too bright, yeah. It's too red or something. Whereas this really, I thought, you know, because of that reason, they went like a little bit above and beyond in making it just a little bit more realistic without being a gore fest. Mm-hmm. And, but in saying that, the opening scene with Drew Barrymore and her um, boyfriend Scott or whatever his name is, you know, that's where you actually see true like evisceration. <laughs> um and and I, the, the guy who was sitting in the chair, the boyfriend, he was actually kneeling behind it, and it was it's like a prosthetic body that you know has you know, and he was you know a, a lot obviously alive and awake as as his intestines are kind of falling out, kind of thing. But they weren't um, really his intestines. No, no, but it was more like what? It, it was just just the <laughs> clever way that they, the clever way that they did it, you know, like having him kind of yeah, like, just simple music movie magic that, that effective, effective, it works. Yeah. But the Drew Barrymore version, so with her intestines and everything, that wasn't her kind of like strung up. That that was a full prosthetic that they um, they developed. Yeah, which no, if, that, you, if you if you look at the videos, yeah, if you look at the videos behind it all, like the prosthetics, bloody realistic. It's really really quite quite something else, you know. I guess that's kind of our you know we've wrapped it up. Before we give our rating though, we would usually do a, a quiz break, um, which is. You know, 10 questions in approximately 60 seconds. We no longer time it. But I today have actually arranged the quiz um, and I've got my questions here and I would love to put you to the test, Jason. So are you ready? As I always say, no. But let's do it. No, you're not. <laughs> I think you're going to do very, very well with this, but um, we'll, we'll see, see how you do go. But, um, so question one, who's the first person that Billy and Stu killed? Well, on screen, it would be the boyfriend, Steve, or whatever his name is, Drew Barrymore's boyfriend. Well, I didn't say anything about on screen, but that's all right. It's okay. Okay. Oh, well, the mum. The mum, then. The mum. The, the mum is the one. Okay. Yeah. Yep, fair enough. What 
what food is Casey Becker cooking? Uh, popcorn. On the, on the, popcorn. Excellent. What uh, what does Sydney believe would be uh, who? Sorry, does Sydney believe would be cast as her in a movie? Tori Spelling. Yeah. How old is Dewey? Twenty-five. Wow, you're doing well. What is Dewey eating while talking to the sheriff? An ice cream. He is. What's the janitor's name? Oh, Fred. God, you're going to get 100. Fred. It is. Which scream queen actor is in the film It's Juice Party? Uh, um, uh, 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 Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie Strode. I had Laurie Strode on the on the brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does Billy use for fake blood? Corn syrup. Yeah. What does Tatum uh, go down in the garage to get? Uh, beer. Hope it's beer. She has beer. That's right. Beer, right? <laughs> and what is the first rule uh, to survive a horror movie? The first one. Oh, what is the first one? Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, <laughs> I wanted to. Oh, I, I wanted. Can I just list all the rules? I want to say no. Don't have sex, one. but don't have sex is correct. Really? Oh, thank God. I was like, is yes, it like? Is it like don't answer the door? Don't go outside. Don't run upstairs. No, it's <laughs> never have sex. Never then it's um. Then it's don't drink or do drugs. Ah, oh, boo! Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's that's how yeah. that sequence goes. Yeah, <sighs> that's right. Guess what, Jace? You just got ten out of ten, mate. Well Damn. done. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so that was all based on my my memory this morning. So um, yeah, clearly you've uh, you you're very familiar with it. Oh, thank you. All right. Really easy question. Ladies and, oh, ladies and gentlemen, we've we've waffled enough about this movie. It's it's quite clear that we are we're, we're fans. So I think it's time to we'll give our rating. Um, um, do you want to go first, Trace? I will. I'll make it short and quick. Look, I didn't want to be silly about it, but you know what? Screw it. Um, great movie. Great uh, creative, smart, yeah. clever. Meta humor's on point. Mm-hmm. Still a genuinely uh, good horror movie with a new. Mm-hmm creative uh villain you know the horror icon iconic iconic we should say in ghostface absolutely five out of five absolutely iconic and you know what i i agree like it, it, this movie right it's something different like it's a game changer at that time for the horror horror movies and and the portrayals of, of, of all, all the characters like and especially if you haven't seen this movie the way that it all unfolds and that whodunit kind of concept that they, you know, they did with this and they roll it out in the other movies as well. You genuinely, you don't, if you've seen it for the first time, you just don't know what's going on, but they just do it so, so well. And I think Nev Campbell's performance is really, really brilliant. Like she, she just embodies that, uh, I guess, you know, that, that innocent teenager who kind of, comes around and 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 has that you know that that resilience and strength and then can fend for herself and and takes out the, the killers herself you know it's i think it's so brilliant um the meta commentary and this is i something that i just i just don't think that i recognize it you know in 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 bloody other movies and you know to the quality that this is and i have to admit this is probably one of the first times i've given it but this to me this is a five out of five movie this movie, like you could watch this again and again and really appreciate it. And for new people or old people, like I just recommend it to anybody. If you haven't seen this, I don't even like freaking horror. I think this movie is five out of five, 100%. So that's it. Two fives. Who would have thought Spuddy Scream would have got two fives? It's fantastic. 
Amazing. All right. So what we'll do, I think it's, I think that's it. I think we'll wrap it up there. So ladies and gentlemen, that was our rewind to, to uh, 1996 movie screen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rewind and Review. As always, we'll remind you that any feedback, either positive or negative, or any Rewind requests can be sent to us via uh, email or at thatfilmsviewpodcast.gmail.com. Oi, I got through it. <laughs> you did well. Um, or you can, of course, uh, reach out to us on either That Films View or Rewind and Review's Facebook pages. Like and follow these pages while you're there. Subscribe and leave us a review on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts as it does help others like yourself find the podcast. Yep, uh, you can find our entire catalogue of episodes at thatfilmstudiopodcast.com. Now, coming soon from that film studio, a review of Scream 5, or Scream as it's actually called. Um, Sound Like <laughs> Comics have a recent episode looking at the spectacular Spider-Man television show because right. we need more Spider-Man in our lives, obviously. <laughs> um, and they have an upcoming episode on Constantine, that movie with Keanu right. Reeves. Um, oh, and our next, episode, our next episode here on Rewind and Review, here's a little clue for you. You look terrible. I want you to eat. I want you to rest well, and a month from now, this Hollywood big shot's gonna give you what you want. It's too late. They start shooting in a week. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Now, just go outside, enjoy yourself, and forget about all this nonsense. I want you to leave all to me. And there you go. So uh, looking forward to that one. Um, will not confirm or deny if I've seen that movie at all. Um, thank you all for listening, everybody. This has been another episode of Rewind and Review, and we will see you on our next trip. Bye. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library. Ah! <laughs>